Welcome in to Hardcore Penn State football. Nice to be back on a regular basis. Penn State's 2024 and 2025 schedules have been released. We'll get into that in a little bit later. Also, Penn State's in the heart of the recruiting official visit season. Some recruiting to discuss there as well. And we've got a lot of fan questions to dive into today. So um, thank you very much for the abundance of fan questions. We'll discuss those towards the end of the show. Thank you so much for being here. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Let's do it. As always, the great Sean Kane. How are you doing today, Sean? Doing well on this hump day, Corey. How are you? Doing fantastic. I'm doing fantastic. Had some wings tonight. This uh, this is not a sponsor of the show, but first chance. I think it's technically in Kersey, Pennsylvania, but near St. Mary's. Um, very good wings. You know, a lot of places now, I was just telling them this at dinner, a lot of places have a wing night nowadays but the wings are pretty small um, or they're just not cooked very well to, to begin with. And the price hasn't really been, the price isn't really where it used to be on wing nights. First chance in Kersey, Pennsylvania, they get it right. I mean, I didn't even, I got 12 wings. I didn't even finish my 12 wings. I think it was $7.99 for 12 wings and they are just cooked perfectly. They're big wings. Just, just well done there. They, they always have fantastic wings. So shout out to them. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I've never, I've that's one of the places in the state I haven't been out to. I haven't been out to like north central, uh, north central uh, Pennsylvania. But if I ever am, I have to keep an eye out for that place. Yeah, you'll uh, most likely be up here, hopefully sometime in 2024 for for a wedding. Wow, kind of tell you that. Mm. So um, interesting. That, I wonder who's getting married. Probably be in the North Central area. I wonder. I wonder. Um, which that is not officially releasing the date of a wedding, by the way. I'm not 100 percent sure, but um, 
hopefully that will be the case. And it'll be a tough decision for you. I guess you could get wings, then you could go over to Straw Brewery from there and hang out there. They got they got some they got other beer besides just straw, but um, obviously straw bloggers are what they're known for. But they got some good beers over there. I had their food a little bit ago. It's been pretty good. But uh, but yeah, I can't can't recommend enough first chance wings. And everyone that listens to the show, or at least was listening a year ago, um, on the was it the previous show we had wing? Was it sauces that we did? I think it was. It was. It was um, sauces. We do like our wings. And actually, her mom. You know, we talked in that episode about like don't eat the garlic parmesan wings before uh so so we were talking before about having like uh in that episode about like not having garlic parmesan wings before a wedding or before a date and uh mm-hmm. her mom actually got gar- garlic parmesan wings today so i think they're actually technically italian garlic parm but it made me think of that which i don't know what the <laughs> italian part is but uh it did make me think of it so maybe the Italian part is they make it, it when when they're cooking the wings they do the little uh, finger thing, the little uh, chef's kiss thing. Mm. Little yeah. chef's kiss. That's that's probably what it is. That that's probably. I think that's it, it. I think that's the only um, difference. So. Right. That, that that makes sense to me. Um. Well, Penn State football. Some pretty big breaking news, Sean. Oh, before we get into the breaking news, I had a little fun test. And maybe you saw it. Maybe you didn't see it. But I wanted to do a little, little quiz for you. See how many of these you could get right. For me. So they released. Yeah, yeah. They released okay. a. Uh, I don't even know who it was that released it. But it was like the highest revenue athletic. Um, athletic revenue in the, in the 2022-2023 season. And I don't know how this is done because baseball is still going on, but whatever. Uh, so let's just see if you can guess how many of the top 10 schools there are. Okay. And I'll let you well, know what order they are as you I guess did, them. I did see the I, – I saw the list of those scrolling. I saw Ohio State was one, and I saw we were on it too, but I don't know the rest. All right. So Ohio State. Yeah, so Ohio State is number one at 251 million. Yep, we're nine. Uh, yeah, Michigan. Yes, at 181 million. Michigan. Michigan is four five. at 210. Yep. Texas. Texas is two at 239. Uh, Notre Dame. Mm. Notre Dame. Uh, um, Notre Dame isn't even top twenty-five. Oh, but what about? But I, I thought they're better off without a conference. Maybe they're just scared. Oh, I'm sorry. Um. It says public schools only, apparently. Ah, public schools only. So. Okay. Uh, Oklahoma? Oklahoma is 10 at 177. Alabama? Alabama is 3 at 214. So you've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 9, and 10 so far. So you need 5, 6, 7, 8. Um, LSU? 
LSU's six at 199. Florida State? Florida State was at 15. Ah, slower than I thought. Uh, Indiana was at 13, just to give you an idea. That's weird, but Big Ten versus ACC, I guess. Um, yeah. I think USC is a private school. I think. Yeah. I don't think they'd be there. You're forgetting someone pretty big. Georgia? Georgia came in at five. Okay. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't know about Georgia. I just need seven and eight. Okay. Texas, Texas. Same uh, state as Texas. Oh, A&M. A&M. Yep, A&M was seven. And, and is, Cle- yeah. is Clemson a public school? They are, but they're 17th. Okay. Yeah, I knew they didn't have... Yeah, I was a little skeptical about them. Uh, Michigan State? Michigan you can say it was 12. Mm. One more SEC school comes in. At yeah, eight. I was thinking SEC or Big Ten. Florida? Yeah, Florida is eight. And, and, and fun fact, Auburn, Auburn was 11th. So. Where was Iowa? Little surprise. I. Iowa was 21st. Also pretty surprised Oregon was 19 and Tennessee was 18. Virginia was at 14, believe it or not. Virginia? Guessing because of basketball. But. Yeah, but like basketball, like when, you know, their football team, I feel like it doesn't produce any revenue. Like I, I wouldn't think, like where's North Carolina then? North Carolina is a North Carolina isn't in the top twenty-five. Huh? That's find that weird. Arkansas was even ahead of Iowa, which I thought was kind of surprising. Louisville came in at twenty-three before North Carolina. Hell, Washington State was twenty-fifth. What about Washington? Washington was not was oh I'm sorry let me take that back Washington was 25th okay apologies not Washington Udub. State sorry yeah anyway I thought that was kind of fun oh yeah yeah that's interesting and it also shows you where the money is being that like what seven or eight of the top ten schools are Big Ten or SEC yep so. So the big news that I was alluding to a second ago, um, now that we're finally to that point of the show, Big Ten released their plans for the 2024-2025 season with the addition of USC and UCLA. And what 
we told you last week, or I'm sorry, we told you last week, but we told you like two months ago as well, was that the Big Ten was going to go away from divisions. If you've been listening to the show for the last couple of months to the very end, because we dropped that little Easter egg at the very end of an episode. Um, so if you did your due diligence and you listened all the way through, you knew about this months ago. But the Big Ten officially goes away from divisions starting in 2024. And they go to what they call um, protected rivals slash uh, play two, if you will. So if you're listening to this, you're probably wondering what the heck I'm talking about. Um, there's three teams that each team is going to play in the Big Ten. Um, they each have three teams that they'll play the next two years, the very least. Then, on top of that, some of the teams have a certain amount of protected rivals within those three teams that they're actually going to play forever. So, for example, Iowa has uh, those three teams, all three of their teams are protected. So they're going to play those three teams for eternity at the moment. I think that's Wisconsin, Minnesota. I don't know who the other one is. Wisconsin, Minnesota. Nebraska, I think it is. Yeah, I think it's Nebraska, Wisconsin, Minnesota. So they're going to play those three teams forever. Now, that is the extreme. They're the only team that has three protected rivals out of those three opponents. Other teams might only have one protected rival, and those other two teams, they'll only play for two years, and then they'll play two different teams for two years. For Penn State... Penn State's actually the only team that doesn't have any protected rivalries. So they have three teams that they're going to play for the next two years, and then they'll have three new teams that they're going to play for the next two years after that. Uh, at least that's what we have right now. Obviously, that can change if more expansion happens, but that's that's where we're at the moment. So some schools have three protected rivalries. Some schools have Done like Penn State, and Penn State's the only one, and Iowa's the only one that's three. Everyone else is somewhere in the middle. Um, which Sean, I'm just curious. I personally love the idea. I I like where Penn State ended up as far as not having one. Um, and I and I really like how some schools have protected rivalries, but I think it's a cool way to do it, and I love the you know playing two years in a row and then move on to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like it too. Uh, I I particularly love the schedule for next year, which we'll get into. Uh, but you know, guys, let's be honest. We don't have a real rival in the Big Ten, and we haven't since 1993. That's just how it is, and I'm okay with that. And part of it is, I think we grew up with that. We grew up with being in the Big Ten. And sort of, you know, like everybody else playing uh, second, well, playing third fiddle to quote-unquote Big Two as far as, you know, the powers that be at the Big Ten, you know, how they look at everybody. Um, It just doesn't really matter to me about being unrivaled in the Big Ten because that's true. And I wouldn't want to force a rivalry with anybody. I just think that's inorganic and kind of cheap. Would I like to see the Land Grant Trophy up for grabs every year? I would. But 
Um, I'm fine with it not being. And then just the, you know, I, it was kind of like a, it was kind of like Tinder or Bumble, the way that they decided these rivalries, which I think is interesting too. Like both teams had the match. So like Penn State could say, I'm interested in, I, I don't know if we said we're interested in anybody, but if we did, we might say we're interested in like Ohio State, Minnesota, Michigan State, Maryland. And if, you know, it was a maximum of three. And if those three teams match with you, well, you guys are rivals. So that's sort of how that that's kind of how I took how they did it. And really, I think it's a smart way to do it because you're not forcing anything and the teams can basically pick their rivals. So um, I know there's some people upset that we're not going to play in Ohio State every year. We have played them every year since 1993. Uh, I, for one, am fine with them being off the schedule once, you know, once in a while. Um, but I know people will uh, disagree with that. They'll be off schedule in 2025, um, which, I mean, hey. I'm going to enjoy not having to play Michigan and Ohio State every single year. Yeah. Um, so just so Penn State's three opponents that they're going to play the next two years um, is going to be Michigan State, Rutgers, and USC. Those are the three teams that they're going to play the next two years, and then they'll alternate. And so everyone else is basically – there's no guarantee that we'll play them every year. And so, you know, we can get into it. But before we do, I, like, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Dan Wetzel for USA Today or Yahoo Sports, I think, um, came out with a, a big thing saying that, you know, the, the new play two is actually bad. And, you know, Penn State needed to be playing Ohio State every year because that's their biggest rivalry and it's bullcrap that they don't. And I get it to a certain degree, and I, we'll get into it when we get to the 2025 home schedule. That is not very good. But the article did not talk about the 2024 schedule, which I think is a fantastic home slate, and I'm very excited for it already. Um, but more importantly, what the what the article didn't mention, and what a lot of people are failing to mention when talking about Penn State not having a, a, a protected rival, is those other schools already had a huge opponent protected. So, like, go ahead and look. Michigan already had a protected rival with Ohio State. Ohio State already had a protected rival with Michigan. So making either one of those having another protected rival with Penn State would be a lot. And then in Michigan's case, they already have a protected rival with Michigan State and vice versa with Michigan State and Michigan. So are you really going to give anybody – in uh, a Michigan and Penn State or an Ohio State and the Penn State in your protected rival. Now you're basically back in the Big Ten East again. So I, that that probably played some part of the role too. Um, it doesn't mean that we're only going to play Ohio State every you know every once in a while. Now, is it possible we only play them maybe three of the five years? That that's probably likely, but. The idea that we're never going to play them again, I think, is kind of is kind of outlandish. Like they're going to try to schedule Penn State and Ohio State as much as they can. This just gives Penn State a lot of opportunities to play a lot of other people, and and we'll get to the 2024 schedule in a second. But I also like the land grant trophy. I'm glad they kept it on there 
um, for the next two years. Uh, but I'm also very excited to play USC. Uh, we talked about it last week. I, I was like, I thought it was going to be UCLA. You thought it was USC. It was indeed USC. And and we we both kind of knew that one of the West Coast schools were going to be on this on this some way, shape, or form. Whether it was a protected rivalry, whether it was a play, you know, to play. Uh, we knew Penn State was going to get one of them, and and that's exciting. I'm, I'm very excited for it. Um, just to give you an idea, if you were curious about USC and UCLA's play to or to play, uh, USC plays Penn State, UCLA, who's a protected rival they'll play every year, and they'll play Wisconsin. So they've got Penn State, UCLA, Wisconsin. They also host Michigan just in the whatever. So USC's got a pretty tough schedule. Um, and I think next year they actually go to Ohio State. So um, they've got a pretty tough schedule there. Uh, and UCLA, their two play for their three schools are Nebraska, Rutgers, and then USC's their protected rival they'll play every year. So they got it a little bit easier than USC. But if you're just curious where those guys fell into it, that's that's where they fell into it. Um, anyway, I like it. I think it's fun. Not having a protected rivalry means Penn State's going to get to play, you know, three different schools twice in a row, no matter what. And that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I mean, not for nothing, we might play Ohio State next year in the Big Ten title game. Like Georgia and Alabama rarely, if ever, I mean, the act ironically enough, they might do it next year. But they barely ever play during the regular season. But they still play a lot because they're both in they they both meet in their postseason games so much. So if we're good enough, we'll face Ohio State. Um, but I think just in the regular season it'll be I'm fine with uh taking a break from them. And yeah, like keep keep this in mind, guys. This whole thing, like the 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 uh, TV networks they want these primetime matchups. They want Penn State versus USC for big noon kickoff, or God, I hope it's not big noon kickoff, or NBC um, on Saturday night, or or CBS. Like they want these matchups. So we're gonna have a premier matchup basically every single year. Doesn't mean it's always gonna be at home, but we're gonna have at least one every year because that's that's where that's where the money's gonna come from. I mean, nobody's really going to get all that stoked about Indiana versus Rutgers. But Penn State, USC, Penn State, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, that's going to drive it. And I I also agree with with what you said about, you know, the Penn State, Ohio State, uh, quote unquote, rivalry. Because, I mean, let's face it, most years it is a good game. Um, And it's usually one of the better games of, of the season in the Big Ten. Um, but it's a it it's kind of unfair to ask Ohio State to have a protected rival that's Michigan and Penn State. Like, okay, so those are their protected rivals. And then f- uh, from their perspective, yeah, they're just back in the Big Ten East again. Well, Michigan gets to avoid Penn State once in a you, you know uh, some years, so it just really and Penn State gets to avoid Michigan some years. So I don't think it would have been fair to ask them to include Penn State as their protected rival. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, just in other news, the SEC did release their 2024 schedules with Texas and Oklahoma. They're staying eight conference games as expected. So they'll play one more non-conference game. Um, and I believe they're going away from uh, divisions as well, if I'm not mistaken. So there'll be a little bit more potential big conference championship weekends, which could be pretty exciting. So um, let's get into the 2024 schedule. And this, this is the 2024 schedule, not the 2023 schedule. I'll read through them, Sean, and then we can talk about it. Uh, starts off at West Virginia, then Bowling Green, then Kent State, then at Indiana, then home against Michigan State, then home against Nebraska, then home against Northwestern, then home against Ohio State, then home against USC. So, yes, that's not a typo. One, two, three, four, five home games. Then at Purdue, at Rutgers, at Wisconsin to end the year. So five home games followed by three road games. So they, they pretty much are on the road in all of November. That, uh, that's not the, the order, year. though, right? I don't think the order is. Oh, I guess it might not be the order, huh? I don't, I don't think it is. Okay. No. Okay. That, that That's a good point. That's a good point. I guess we'll we will know the uh, the order isn't right, but the away home is correct. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if you're planning your wedding for fall 2024, don't uh, try not to pick anything yet. You know they do have the schedule for the dates for for uh, West Virginia is August 31st. Saturday, September 7th is Bowling Green. Saturday, September 21st is Kent State. So either there's going to be a either there's going to be a Big Ten game on the 14th of September or they're going to have a bye week really early. So I'm going to guess right. that one of those one of those conference games is going to get slid into that September 14th spot. So anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? Everyone's already. I, I think Kent was. I don't know if it's Cowboy Ribeye or Dorito Bandit, but somebody on Twitter said something like, "You know, they're going to put that at Wisconsin early in the year." <laughs> but uh, probably. I love the schedule. So I mean, at West Virginia is going to be fun. At Wisconsin is going to be fun. Um, actually, depending on when that Wisconsin game is, I might actually try to go to it. I, I, I told myself the next time Penn State plays at Wisconsin. I was going to try to go to it. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but then I really love the Nebraska, Michigan State, Ohio State, USC home schedule. Like that is, that's really fantastic. Like, don't know what Michigan State and Nebraska are going to be exactly be by 2024. But Ohio State and USC, obviously USC, we, we talked about it a little bit. There. I mean, there's potential wide out there. Everyone's going to scream for Ohio State. We get that. But uh, also, I think it'd be really cool. USC's. You know, first time at Beaver Stadium to be a whiteout, that, that would be really exciting, really fun time. So we'll see what happens there. But, Sean, what stands out to you? Yeah, well, the home schedule in general. I mean, this is probably the best slate of road ga- or home games I could remember. Um, I also want to, you know, just a little, little tidbit. You know the last time Penn State played Michigan State, Ohio State, and USC all at home was? 
1990, was it seven or nine, maybe? Oh, earlier. Uh, did they play 94? Yep. Yeah, that's the last time Penn State played Ohio State, USC, and Michigan State all at home. So That's so funny. Yeah. 30 years ago. Just, just a little something, something to think about, you know? It is funny it ends um, in a four, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the mojo going in there. Um, hopefully you don't get screwed out of the national championship. That is crazy, though. It's, it's so funny, though, because with U.S. I mean, to have all those at home again is just kind of kind of is weird. Yeah, I, I think we had Northwestern at home that year, too. Someone would have to check that for me. But, yeah, and then you get Nebraska at home. Like you said, I don't I don't know if Matt Rule's going to have that place cleaned up yet because he's got, you know, it's going to be kind of a tall task to uh, to fix that fix that up. Uh, Michigan State, I don't know what we're going to see from Michigan State in 2024. Uh, but yeah, this you know, anytime you have, you know, probably in all likelihood two top ten teams coming into your coming into your house and you're playing. Two best teams, uh, at, at least I think right now on your schedule at home. I mean, you can't really ask for anything better than that. Uh, going to Camp Randall, I mean, that's always going to be tough. They're, you're going to be uh, jumping around. Have, have to go to West Virginia, but yeah, I mean, I think the thing that stands out the most is that is that home schedule. So, the uh, season ticket holders, you're going to be in for. Quite a show in 2024, I hope. You know, it just, it's, it's literally like I felt like I got season tickets at the perfect time. I mean, honestly, like just, just the schedule this year is pretty solid. Um, really excited about the West Virginia and Iowa game. Um, on top of having the Michigan game, like that's pretty sweet. And then obviously USC next year, like that's just. I mean, it's a chef's kiss, if you will, on top of it all. So, uh, yeah, re- really stoked about that and how it all worked out there. Um, let's get to to 2025 real quick and, and again, discuss this. Penn State actually hasn't finalized their non-conference schedule yet for 2025, so it's not 100% all in the books. Um, they have... Again, they have dates here. I, I'm assuming they could probably move it around depending on when the Big Ten schedule maybe is. I don't really know. But they do have Saturday, August 30th against Nevada or Nevada, depending on where you're from. And then they have September 13th against Villanova. So that would be there'd be a game in between there as well, I think. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe another non-conference game because they don't have it. And then again, this is a no order. But they will have at Iowa, at Maryland, at Michigan, at Michigan State, and at USC. Then at home, they'll have Illinois, Minnesota, Rutgers, and UCLA, which, just by hearing that, tough, tough road slate with at Iowa, at Michigan, at Michigan State, and I promise you when Penn State boat races the Michigan State this year, the 2025 Michigan State game is not going to be at Ford Field. It's going to be in East Lansing. I can promise you that. So you got at Michigan, at Michigan State, at Iowa, and then 
going to the West Coast for the USC game. Very excited for UCLA at home. So, like, that's cool that we're going to be playing both USC and UCLA. But, man, Sean, that road, I mean, potentially you could easily have at Michigan and, like, an at USC and an at Iowa all within, like, a month and a half most likely, which is just kind of crazy. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of the 2024 schedule in that it looks like we play all of our toughest teams on the road. Uh, you know, at, at we got to go to the Big House, got to go to the Coliseum, and then at Michigan State at Iowa. But man, oh man, um, I agree with you. I think having you at UCLA at home, it'll be cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to the uniform matchup there. I think UCLA has some of the best uniforms in the country. Um, so I think it'll be cool to see them, see them at the Beeb. Um, yeah. We do get to host Maybe wear Illinois. some generations of greatness uniforms there. I mean, fine by me, but we'll probably like, cool. probably wear them against like Villanova, like we're doing this year. Um, <laughs> no, but I I agree with you. Um, yeah, and we do get Illinois at home. Uh, maybe we want to. Well, God, by 2025, I think all the guys that were on that 2021 team will be gone. So. I, I don't think we'll be able to live off the bad taste in our mouth from getting beat by them in the uh, eight overtime game or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, on paper, it looks like a pretty tough schedule, even without Ohio State. So um, so that's that really tells you something. And I swear, more than any other sport, like I just watched the NBA playoffs and felt like, well, except when you go to Denver with the altitude, it's just like home court just didn't matter all that much. And it feels like in college football, I, I really think home field means more in college football than any other sport. Just crowd and atmosphere. I just think it's a big advantage for you when you have your 18 to 23 year olds feeding off that energy versus their 18 to 23 year olds having to deal with that energy. So it always makes me concerned when there's a tough road slate. Yeah, I mean, that's that just not going to be easy, right? I mean, it's it just not going to be easy. And additionally, you would think Penn State's likely breaking in a new quarterback, too, in 2024 or 2025, excuse yeah. me. So, so um, that, that, that doesn't necessarily bode well, but who knows? That's, that's you know, far or long ways away. But if Drew Aller is what they, you know, what we hope he is, then you're likely having a different quarterback in 2025. Is it potentially an experienced backup in Bo Brabila? Possibly, but we don't know yet. So just have to wait and see. But it, it definitely is daunting. There's no other way to say it. I mean, Iowa, not an easy place. And, and obviously, we've never played out in USC at USC, I don't think ever, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but if so, it was a long time. I think time in the ago. early '90s we played out there once, but that was it. Okay. Yeah, and obviously we played them a bunch, or at least a couple times in a Rose Bowl, but and that's pretty much the same thing. But um, it hasn't been great out there, so oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's going to be tough. And then just the the jet lag in general, I think, is is not going to be easy. So I always thought it would be was easier to. Um, to go 
go right to go to the future as far as jet lag than to go back because you go forward you can kind of sleep on the way out there because usually your flights are at night you wake up in the morning it's a normal day when you're going oh you know going back it's already the morning sometimes when you leave and so you're actually kind of waking up and it's the morning over there and you're already supposed to have slept and you might not have slept well because it was the morning when you left so not as easy going to the west coast as i feel it is like going to the east coast but that's just one man's opinion um but anyway yeah you're an expert any other thoughts on this sean yeah i I have traveled quite a bit but i mean that's just you know just my two cents i can just tell you from going from ireland back to the united states did not wasn't 100% back to my normal sleep schedule. I didn't skip a beat when I went from America to to, to, to over there. It was it was easy. I was like, I was a little bit sleepy the first night because it was, you know, a little bit later, but, uh, or it was a little bit earlier, but, you know, it wasn't a big deal. And now, right. um, a little bit harder coming back, but, and you wake up early. That's, that's the sucky part about the West Coast. You wake up early because you're used to the East Coast, and that just messes me up. Anywho, yeah um that's all i gotta say about that (laughs) yeah i guess final thoughts um i'm kind of i guess for the big 10 championship they're just gonna take the two best conference schedules um i am curious to see what the tiebreakers are gonna be but i mean right i guess that's just how it's gonna be like i'm curious to see like what the tiebreakers are i think they have USC go USC is undefeated and Penn State and Ohio State both have one loss, but they don't play each other. I'm curious to see how that's going to shake out. They have those written out, I think, already. To be honest with you, um, I don't know what they are, but they have them written out somewhere already. Okay. Uh, it's not it's not beautifully clear because you're right; they don't have the division head to head record anymore since the divisions are gone. But um, the good news is sometimes those division head-to-heads actually kind of hurt because everyone's in the same division. Now right. you have a little bit more diversity for, with who you've played, and so I I think it should help more times than it hurts, but what do I know? Yeah, like overall I'm happy divisions are gone. Like I'm cool we're all with this model, but it did kind of keep things neat and tidy. Um Honestly, if if you want my opinion, I'd be fine with getting rid of the conference championship game in its entirety. I don't think you really need it, and, but they won't because it brings in a lot of money. But at this point in time, I really don't think you need it anymore. Uh, it's just another game to play, and you're already going to be having, you know, if, if you're going to be, you could be playing already an additional three or four games. So that's kind of my thought on that. Yeah. The competitive part of me wants the championship still, just I was the champion. And I get it. You could theoretically, mathematically calculate that. But I do like the idea, even if a team beats you to have a chance to beat them. Like, let's say we lost at, Michigan, or we lost at Ohio State. 
give me a chance to beat them in a neutral site. Like if we lost, let's say by three points at Ohio state one year and it, they came in first, we were in second and we never got a chance to play them in neutral field to, for a chance to win it. Like that would, that would probably upset me a little bit. So I'm okay with it, but I totally get your point. Like you're right. It is a hundred percent of money grab, but they've, they, they've grabbed me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, like, I'm not going to start World War Three over it. I think everybody's going to have a conference championship game, except Notre Dame. Um, so we're all kind of on equal footing here, uh, except Notre Dame. So it, you know, it's whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I well, wonder where it's going to um, be. I wonder if they'll ever have it. I guess that's all we have. I think it's a good opportunity to yeah, it's so mix it up. Yeah, I mean, I'd be fine with it being out there. It would suck going there. Like, but. Like, they. Um, like, they do that for hockey Big Ten championships. Like, they they put those in different spots. Like, they'll they'll do it in Minnesota. Then they'll do it in Chicago. I don't know where it is next year, but. They they do mix it up a little bit, so that would be uh that'd be cool yeah, if they did something like that. But I'm not not holding my breath. Yeah, if you want to do SoFi, Detroit, and Indianapolis, I'd be fine with that. But, right. Yeah. I I'd be. Yeah, I even like. I mean, I love Indianapolis, so I'm never going to be against that. But if you wanted to do, if you wanted to do something out west. Especially they add some other teams, and then you wanted to do Indianapolis, and like they'll never come more east than than Indianapolis. Like honestly, even if they did Cincinnati, like I feel like that would be a fair for like the the East Coast schools or Pittsburgh. Like Pittsburgh would be fair to Ohio, and it'd be fair to Rutgers and Maryland and Penn State. So you could, I know you don't, well you wouldn't like that, but you could do. You could do Pittsburgh, which they probably wouldn't do, but you could do Pittsburgh, <laughs> Indianapolis, and yeah, SoFi, whatever you want out there. Pittsburgh would be a great place to freeze my ass off. But yeah, I I, I get yes. what you're saying. It could, it could be, it would be, it would actually really help Penn State if it was there because, I mean, first off, almost half our fan base lives out in Western PA, and um, God, we're only here in Scranton and we're in Northeast PA, we're only like four and a half, five hours away from there. So. Right. Yeah. You'd be fine with me. <laughs> that would just be so it would have, I, it would be very expensive if Penn State was in a big 10 championship out West. Yeah. And then potentially be- going to a playoff game and then potentially another playoff game. And then potentially would it be, potentially a national championship like that is that's a lot <laughs> yeah i mean i know for me the next couple of years if we're going to a postseason game it'll be the big 10 championship just because it's going to be the most affordable um and you know we're planning a wedding and i'm not made of money as it is so i think bowl games will be in the future somewhere down the road but not in the immediate one so because, God, we went out to Indianapolis. Until the podcast takes off. Well, I mean, if somebody out there wants to crowdfund, I mean, go ahead. But 
Um, you know, like when we went out to Indianapolis, it was nice. Hey, don't forget. Don't forget, Sean, when there was a there was grumblings of crowdfunding ah, this is for true. the Rose Bowl. This is true. This is true. Somebody did ask us if there was somewhere they could contribute for us to get out there to cover <laughs> it. So Yeah. I mean, you know, hey, if I'm I don't know how much sure. money that person was willing to contribute, but <laughs> yeah. at the moment it was gonna be a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, hey, I ain't complaining. Uh but if it's coming out of my own pocket, it'll be indie. Um, which is which is fine with me. I, I really liked it out there. Like I actually took we went to the Big Ten Championship game in 16. I took a bus out with students. Uh, the Alumni Association funded a bus trip, and the bus was free. And our tickets were like 70 bucks. So it ended up being affordable even for a college kid. Um, and, I mean, obviously, I, at this time, I would get a hotel and everything. And I'd have to actually pay for it, pay for the car. But I would probably drive out. I don't know. It would be like 400 500 bucks, which really – isn't that bad. I'm paying that much to go to see them play Ohio State anyway or Michigan at Beaver Stadium. Yeah, at a certain point too, right? It's like, okay, whatever. Like, I've already spent X amount of money. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you pay for the ticket, it's like everything else is just gravy after that. Like, whatever. At this point, I'm already in the hole. Might as well just keep keep digging. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I look at it. Also, we are not financial uh, advisors. Please do not use our advice as financial <laughs> advice because I feel yes, like we have to don't. put that disclaimer in there in case. Yeah, and, and don't pre-buy to, Big Ten uh, championship tickets because that's bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. There were so many like Michigan, random Michigan fans where I was. <laughs> Just... They just had, like, confused looks on their face. And I actually talked to one, and he was like, yeah, I bought the tickets last month. And I was like, oh, sucks for you, pal. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah that is, I'll go. That's pretty, that's pretty bold. Yeah. So don't do that. Yeah. I know, like, I know a lot of people, like, the Ohio State people, bought hotel rooms, whatever, in Indianapolis, and then they refused to sell them to Michigan people, or, like, they refused to, like, they just ate the bullet instead of giving it to um, to Michigan fans, which I almost respect that level of, that level of petty. Like, that that's pretty impressive. One day I hope I am rich enough to be that level of petty. <laughs> or not even that rich enough, just be able to afford to do something like that. Yeah, like, yeah, I know I should just give these up because they won't cost me anything, but honestly, I'd just rather you not go instead. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny, so petty, but I could appreciate it. Um. Okay, Sean, let's go recruiting. Let's. I, to be honest with you, haven't been very up to date in the world of recruiting. Um, who important just visit this past weekend? Who do we need to be paying attention to this weekend? We did not get any commits, but from what I've understood, it was still a pretty solid weekend, and Penn State's in some pretty favorable positions coming out of it, regardless. Yeah, yeah. Um, this past weekend, Jamonta Waller, uh, defense, he's the edge guy from Mississippi, he was on campus, Penn State. Um, 
one of the only northern schools really hard after. I mean, you know, decent chance he comes up here. Nick Marsh, who actually just got crystal ball to Penn State, was here this past weekend. Uh, Nigel Smashing Smith from the great state of Texas was on campus. Penn State is definitely in the mix for him. Uh, Jameer Grimsley, who uh, was showing Penn State some love on Twitter. Um, Babu Torre, I hope I'm saying that correctly, from Jersey. He was on campus. He got a couple crystal balls for him. So did Malachi Williams, who was there. And all, not all, but I think like 12 or 13 of our current commits were on campus. So, I mean, from the looks of it, it looks like they all enjoyed their time. Penn State is, you know, they do everything first class on official visits. Uh, we also had a midweek visitor. I, I think he saw on campus Brian Robinson from Youngstown, Ohio. He's probably a Michigan lean right now. He had to reschedule the visit to Penn State, but he did end up making it, albeit during the week. Um, Penn State's probably in it, but from what I understand, Michigan's probably the leader right now. And then this coming week, uh, Benedict Ume, who Penn State is, he's one of those defensive linemen that Dion Barnes is after. Uh, Dion Barnes is going after some big fish here. Say Benedict Ume is right at the top of the list. Um, Peter Gonzalez, who we talked a little bit about last week, is also visiting. Uh, DeAndre Cook, he's another guy to watch out for, another defensive lineman that um, uh, Deion Barnes is going hard after. Josiah Brown, Ethan Calloway, and Carter Nelson will also be on campus. So, so yeah, that's... And uh, Terion Nichols as well, the cornerback from Ohio. So as far as possible guys that yeah, this I week, mean, I can see Gonzalez uh, and maybe Cook if he has a green light. And 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 uh, oh, as far as this upcoming weekend, right? Yeah. Um, I, I just want to reiterate the Nick Marsh because we get asked more than anything about wide receiver. And I feel like that's the big one that really needs to fall for Penn State. 100%, 100%. Like, uh, he's probably, as far as being realistic, probably their biggest target left. But notice I kind of said realistic because there is another guy making an official visit toward the end of the month, and that's uh, Jeremiah Smith. So for those of you who don't know, Jeremiah Smith is the number two overall player in the country, currently an Ohio State commit, and he'll be visiting Penn State on June 23rd. So I don't expect him to end up at Penn State, but what do we always say about Penn State and official visits? The key is to just get them there. And provided Jeremiah Smith falls through, makes a trip out to Happy Valley, I mean... In my mind, then we got somewhat of a shot. It's very hard to beat Brian Hart right out on the recruiting trail. I can't emphasize that enough. He's the best. He's probably the best overall position coach in the club country when you take into account how he develops talent and also how he recruits talent. So, so yeah, um, he's probably the biggest name left on our board. I don't think he ends up at Penn State, but you never know. Yeah. Um, did you mention Nigel Smith? Smashing. Yes. 
Yeah, I, I'm excited to see. And then and Ume as well. I mean, if Barnes is able to to get either one of those guys, I just feel like you got to be pretty happy with where you're at. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I, I just feel like that's – he's going after the right guys. We'll have to wait and see. But those are the guys that have me excited. A lot of people ask us, will, will Penn State have a top-10 class? I do feel better about it than where, maybe where they were. But yep. if they want to have a top ten class, and it's all said, you need a guy like Ume in that class. Yeah, absolutely. I think they have a shot. Uh, Jabonta Waller is another guy really considering Penn State, who was just there. Uh, Ume, we're still, you know, I probably in a decent place for. And you know, we're getting these guys on campus, and it's about closing the deal. And just, in tra- I mean, we all know James Franklin could do that. But this is Dion Barnes' first time, you know, these are his guys that he's going after. Um, And it remains to be seen how he'll do just closing the deal on these guys. Um, So, so yeah, and and we need them. I mean, we still, we still could probably afford to, there's a few spots left at defensive line in this class. I mean, God, how many... Do we have uh, – bear with me here. Yeah, we don't have any – we have one defensive line commit in Xavier Gilliam, and we, we probably still can fit in about three more guys. So um, it's about you know, just being able to close. Hopefully one of them is my boy – hopefully one of them is my boy, David Pele Pele, although I think he might be a little bit of a Michigan lean at this point. But – um, yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah, he's probably leading Michigan, but you never know. He's he's leading Michigan until I I speak with him and say what what's going on, get get him back, back towards where he needs to be. Do you have do you have some nil money to give him? I don't, but like I said, I, I yeah. know a guy who knows his dad, so I mean I'm pretty much in the know. Okay, then then we're good. Right. Um, um, honestly, I know he, he narrowed it down his top three to USC, Michigan, and Penn State. And USC is a lot, is where obviously a lot of um, Tongue and, and Pacific Island players go. But also, um, there's another player from, and I don't know if he knows him or not, but there's another player from Anchorage, Alaska originally who's I think still on the USC team. I'm pretty sure he's a defensive lineman as well. So I don't know if that would play into yeah. it, but um I'm not saying there's yeah. a pipeline there, but and Jalen Harvey's visiting USC this weekend. So he's got uh, all crystal balls into Penn State, but we never know how that could go. And he's announcing on July fourth. So we had a July fourth episode last year. Remember that? Was it on the actual day? Yeah, it was real late at night. Was it? I don't even yep. remember doing that. Yeah, it was... Uh, what was I doing? Why did I do that on the 4th of July? I, I don't know, but we just decided to do it on the 4th of July for some reason. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't think we're... we're I can tell you that right now. We're not doing it this year. No, nah, I'm, I'm good. 
<laughs> I think the Fourth of July is on a Tuesday. I think, isn't it? Yeah. That's depressing. Yeah, it's not great. Um, I went ahead like back in January. I kind of forgot that I did it. But when I saw that, I didn't even know like know what my plans were going to be. I didn't even know what state I was going to be in. But I just went ahead and took PTO for that that Monday, assuming everybody was going to want that Monday off. So I have that Monday off because I took PTO. And I'm like, I don't even know if I want this day off. But uh, I currently have Monday off. I just took it off back in like January. I, must, I was probably like, not that the weather was that bad in Alabama, but I was like, you know what? I see 4th of July is on a Tuesday. I'm taking that Monday. And so... I went to like see um like recently I, I went to check to see if I had like if I was gonna take that day off. And then I was like, oh, I already requested that like a long time ago. So yeah, I was uh at some point in the past, Corey was smart enough to take that Monday off. So Yeah, if I wasn't in training right now, I would have done the same thing, but alas, they don't like to take in time off during training. Um, but I do get Juneteenth off this coming Monday, so it'll be a nice long weekend for me. Hey, nice. They just give us a, uh, they give us a floating holiday to use as we will for any additional holiday that we see fit. And so it's just an extra day of PTO really, but. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah so you can use it for, I guess theoretically you could use it for Groundhog's Day if you wanted. Hey, that's a big deal in the state of Pennsylvania. It is. It is. So, um, anywho, anything else you want to say? Did you mention uh, Grimsley from Tampa Catholic? I did. I did. Yeah, Penn State might be sitting pretty with him. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's probably from would probably be one of the last couple defensive backs in this class. Like, they yeah. don't have that much space left for defensive backs. Yeah, he's probably the last so. one. Terry Smith doing Terry Smith things. Um, okay. Fan question time? Yeah, let's do it. I got a bunch of them. We got, we got some good ones. Um, thank you, everybody who asked the questions. Again, drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify. Let us know that you do it. We'll send you a sticker. Uh, we did not get any last week, so please consider doing that. Um, I tweeted, I said, we need all of your questions, and please provide a Penn State player you are most excited to watch this season. Uh, most of you did include that, so I will read that as well. Some of you didn't, but that's okay. Um, it's from Cowboy Ribeye. Very intrigued to see the jump for Deny Dennis Sutton, defensive end Deny Dennis Sutton, hearing absurd things. Cowboy, let us know what you heard. But yes, we're hearing very good things as well. Um, I think Deny Dennis Sutton's going to start off as the number three defensive end. And I don't know how he passes the other two, but I really think he could end up out snapping both of them. Like I could honestly see Deny Dennis Sutton like having the most snaps among defensive linemen, which doesn't make sense technically, but I think that that could end up happening somehow some way so um anyway his question do you think penn St the penn state staff is playing coy with the wide receiver core it seems like there's a ton of talent we have already seen so i'm not sure it's as much of a question mark as they are leading on sean do you think they're kind of bullcrapping us a little bit here think the 
to rock and roll? Uh, this is a good question because I, I think yes and no. So yes, in that I think they realize the talent they have. No, in that I, they want to see how they actually do it on the field. And I think they know that the talent is there. I think they know how talented Keandre Lambert Smith is. They know the potential that Trey Wallace has. Um, they, they, they know the potential that uh, Omari Evans has, but I think they just want to see it on the field and they're pushing, pushing them to be that next level receiving core that they probably have the ability to be. And I didn't even name Dante Cephas yet. So yes, in that I think they know that the talent is there. No, in that they know in that they're unproven and they don't want to get ahead of themselves. Get get ahead of themselves. Yeah, and I think it's a young group with a young quarterback. I think you try to curb the enthusiasm to a certain degree, right? Like you, Larry you don't want style. these guys thinking they're the best. They, yeah, you want to you want to humble them a little bit throughout this process, and so I, I agree with you. I, I think they know the talents there, but it, like Franklin has have has even said, especially after the blue and white game, it's not necessarily about like we know what they're capable of, but it's about consistently doing that. It's it's, it's not just about having the splash plays; it's about consistently making the normal plays too, and. I think that is something that is not necessarily a problem, but I think is a little bit of a question mark. Like, yeah, so did Omari Evans flash a couple times last year? Did he flash in the blue and white game? Yes. But there is maybe still a question mark maybe about him consistently doing that. So um, very good question, Cowboy Ribeye, to start us off. Uh, next question is from Dorito Bandit, both of whom are longtime listeners, so appreciate you guys. Um, I'm in, I'm interested to watch Dante Sivas, wide receiver Dante Sivas, who just joined the program um, last month or so, um, but also very excited about linebacker Tony Rojas. Rojas, very big on the show. We were very big fans of Tony Rojas, especially after the blue and white game. Um, but Sean's been high on him from the get-go. Uh, Dorito Bandit's question. Who is the most overlooked player on Penn State's roster other than Katron? I really like this question because I just – tweeted the Catron Allen highlights and I was I was talking about how a lot of like these these preseason rankings for running backs Catron Allen isn't even like listed like he's behind like some Indiana guys some Illinois guys like people I've never even heard of the Minnesota running back who could Sean right now can you tell me who the starting Minnesota running back is Mo Ibrahim's gonna play both the NFL and college right (laughs) (laughs) exactly my point right and so there's just stuff like that, right? And so I was like, it's it's baloney and cheese, kind of like just because Katron Allen's behind Nick Singleton, he's not getting the love. I mean, he had double-digit touchdowns. Like people, I think, have already kind of forgotten about that. So um, that's why Zarita sort of mentioned other than Katron. Uh, if I had to go with the most overlooked player, um, I think it's probably, and maybe this isn't right. But I think it's Curtis Jacobs. And I say that mostly because I think he's getting outshined by Abdul Carter right now. The the Abdul Carter hype is for real. 
Um, a lot of the young linebackers, whether it's Tony Rojas or Tamir Robinson or even uh, Kobe King, like an overlook that doesn't necessarily mean like those guys are better than him, but more people are like interested or concerned about the middle linebacker spot, or they're very excited for Abdul Carter or, or the freshman, but they're not necessarily talking about Curtis Jacobs. And I think that's a mistake. Curtis Jacobs I don't think he's going to be as like splashy as Abdul Carter. I, don't, I just don't think he's that to that level of of blowing up the play. But I really think Curtis Jacobs is a really good linebacker, and he has had some in, incredible moments, especially the Ohio State game two years ago. And I just think another year under his belt, and, and this year where he doesn't have to like question whether or not he can trust the guys next to him at the mic spot and at the the uh at the will spot like he, he won't have to worry about any of that anymore he can just go out and play ball and so i i think he'll play faster this year and because of that he's gonna have a really good year and just again not because he's underrated as much as people are more concerned with the middle linebacker spot people are more concerned with defensive tackle people are more excited about the secondary and abdul carter and I think a lot of people are forgetting or overlooking Curtis Jacobs. And I, I think that could be a mistake. And he, it's important, Sean. Like, his leadership is very, very crucial to the success of this defense and this football team. So don't forget about Curtis Jacobs. I was going to say Curtis Jacobs, too. But I'm going to give another one. I'll go with Kaziah Izzard. Like, in my opinion, Kaziah Izzard was the most consistent player on Penn State's defense last year. Like, go back and look. There's not really a game where he played poorly, even the Michigan game. He actually had a decent game that day. Uh, problem is nobody else really did in the front seven, but he was he was fine. Um, you know, just day in, day out, it just seems like game in, game out. It just seems like he always brings it. And he was... And, you know, not, no disrespect to P.J. Mustafer, he was the best defensive tackle we had last season, in, in my mind. Now, P.J. was probably the most important from a leadership uh, standpoint, and that's something that – that's a place where you probably want to see Kaziah Izzard improve is from a leadership perspective. But I'm going to go with him. Like, just week in, uh, week, in week out, really impressed me every week. Uh, but th- th- there's a bunch of guys you can name. You can name Johnny Dixon and Curtis Jacobs, too. I think you can mix out arguments for all three of them, plus Katron. Yeah, I, I like the Johnny Dixon pick, too. I think that's a really solid pick uh, as well. Um, I'm going to couple two people's comments because one person gave us people they are excited for and someone else just gave us a question. So Ziddy Dogs Golf said too many to choose from. Drew Aller, um, Nick Singleton. I don't know who. I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I read that wrong. He called it. He called him Saint Nick Singleton. I'm sorry that butchered that for a second. <laughs> I have no idea what he's talking about. Saint Nick Singleton, which is pretty funny. Uh, and Abdul Carter. And then the question is going to come from Jerry Mart Martel Tellaro. 
Martel uh, Lord. Mar Martellaro. Martellaro? Gosh. You guys miss me reading names, don't you? Here I am. Um his question, Jerry's question is, I should have just said Jerry and moved on. Um, is scheduling a factor in recruiting players and assistant coaches? So I'm assuming in recruiting players and hiring assistant coaches is what Jerry means here. Um, from my understanding, not drastically. I think there is a benefit to playing in the Big Ten or the SEC as far as exposure and as far as maybe more money and potential NIL deals are concerned. Um, but from my understanding, most players, I mean, it wouldn't hurt to win the national championship, but a lot of these guys are trying to get to the NFL. And so, Jerry, from talking with coaches previously that and players, that seems to be really the main focus. Get me to the NFL. If I can win a championship along the way, that's fantastic. But prepare me to be successful at the next level because that's that, that's where I'm going to make all my money um, and get to do what I love for the rest of my life. Everything before that is just preparation for it. And, hey, if I can win a championship at the same time, great. But I don't think scheduling, like, for example, Penn State scheduling West Virginia or Delaware – is probably not the end of the world for why somebody chooses Penn State versus, say, Michigan State. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it opens up possibilities, but it's it's got to be like the full, uh, you know, everything. It's got to be connecting with the coaching staff. It's in in these days. It's got to be NIL. It's got to be you know, how does, how will this coaching staff develop me into an NFL player? And it does scheduling matter. I mean, to a degree, like I, I have a feeling Penn State's going to have more of a presence in Southern California now because we're going to be playing USC and UCLA. How much more? Probably not a huge amount, but do I think we'll have a presence out there? Yeah, because these kids are going to, turn on the TV every set every Saturday and uh um, and USC UCLA they're going to be playing against the Big Ten team and the next couple of years Penn State's going to be playing USC and two years they're going to be playing USC and UCLA so it's just it's just more exposure um look at last year we had what two guys did, did we have two players come from the state of Alabama uh to come up here, I know Dakari Nelson, and then we had to, to Miriam Parker, who ended up decommitting. But yeah, I mean, was it everything that we played Auburn? No, but I'm sure the exposure didn't hurt. So it helps in exposure, but overall, is it the end all be all? Probably not. Yeah, it's a good point about the exposure. Just to hit on the assistant coaches. I don't think it matters, but I don't think so. I mean, at the same time, I think there's like it's more about the best fit, right? Like, if you're a really hat, you know, hat pass happy coordinator, you don't want to be playing against the teams that maybe prevent you to doing that, right? Like, if I want to be a gunslinging offensive coordinator, I probably don't want to play in the Big Ten West 
where I'm going to have to face Iowa and Wisconsin. They're going to limit how many snaps I get. Like, I want to go play in the Big 12, or at least what used to be the old Big 12, or maybe in the ACC where, like, North Carolina, they throw the ball like 50 times a game. So, um, yeah, I like, don't know. that's just my two thoughts there. But Yeah, I kind of think matching head coaches and coordinators, that matters a lot more. Like, uh, what what's uh, Lincoln Riley's brother's name? Uh, he was just TCU's offensive coordinator. Um, he He's not going to go and be Kirk Ferentz's offensive coordinator. So I, I think head coach, like head coaches, the head coach's philosophy and the coordinator or even the position coach, you know, what their philosophy is, that's got, that's got to match. But as far as who they play every week, that probably doesn't matter as much. That it, it definitely doesn't matter as much. Yeah. Um, this next question is from Maddie. I see um, with Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren both having injury concerns, what tight end do you think gets into the lineup and contributes quality snaps? Interesting question. I, I do want to preface this by saying that both Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson are healthy again. I believe, was it last Thursday, James Franklin gave an update saying they were okay. And I believe Theo Johnson, he got in that, that fight at the, I don't even know as much of a fight. I think he just knocked the dude out at the frat party. Um, I believe he's rejoined the team since as well. So I think, and so I don't think you're going to see any limited snaps there from those guys as far as injuries or suspensions at this point. Now, who knows? Maybe, you know, that's a long ways away. There, at some point, there could be some limited snaps. Um, but, Sean, you know, behind those two guys, who do you see stepping up and, and maybe getting some of that, that additional extra couple snaps? Well, I think we both like Khalil Dinkins, and he's the incumbent third-string tight end right now. And I expect him to play quite a bit this year. Um, but somebody who... I think has a good chance to burn his redshirt is Andrew Rapier. And I, I think you're going to see him quite a bit. Uh, I have a, yeah, I have a feeling he'll burn his redshirt and, you know, you'll probably not get the full experience with him. until uh, 20. Hold on a second. I think we, uh, I think we cut out for a second. Who, who did you say again? I said Khalil Dinkins is definitely the incumbent right now. Um, you know, yeah. I think we we both have liked what we've seen from him so far, but somebody who I think is going to burn his red shirt is Andrew Rapplier. I'm expecting to see, you know, quite a bit of him. I, I don't expect him to start, um, but that, as as the um, as, as the question said, Theo and Warren have both had injury concerns, and I have Theo dealing with an off the field issue. Yeah, that. That makes that depth even more important. I am intrigued to see how Jerry Cross does this year and how he fits in. Uh, he had an injury last year, his first year on campus. So we didn't see him at all last year. So I'm interested to see how he fits in, but I just don't know what we're getting from Jerry Cross. But yeah, could he could he theoretically contend, of course, because he was the recruit that I, that I liked. Um, but yeah. Those are the guys right now. I'd probably lean more toward uh, Cleo Dinkins. So. 
Yeah, I think fans should know Rappelier pretty well. Matt Schlaffer is a name that was thrown around on Twitter, but I, I think I do like Rappelier more. Um, but Dinkins, like you said, Dinkins is a big fan of Dinkins, and he's already caught a touchdown pass from Drew Aller, so that can't hurt either. Um, next question from James McLean. Do you guys think Keandre Lambert-Smith actually steps into the number one wide receiver role? Or are Dante Cephas or Trey Wallace going to have to jump over him? Pretty bland answer, but I'm stoked to see Drew Aller take this offense over. That's his uh, excitement thing. Um, Dr. Big Beef replied to him and said, I'd actually love to see Dante Cephas and Keandre Lambert-Smith be 1A and 1B. Teams are so much tougher to defend when there's not not a clear number one, but rather two guys that can hurt you. I don't think you have to worry about like not having enough weapons on this offense to hurt defenses. Like defenses are going to have a plenty to worry about with just Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, the tight end room and Keandre Lambert Smith. Like that's a lot to deal with right off the bat. Um, but I see your point, Dr. Big Beef. I think uh, we, we've heard some really good things about Trey Wallace this this offseason so far and that he's he's really taken a next step. I think Drew Aller even said something on the the Adam Brenneman interview. I, I think Trey Wallace has the athleticism to be great. And I think he is he's a big step up. I think I even mentioned that in a previous episode when we were asked a similar question about who would step up. Um, but that being said, We've also heard that Keandre Lambert-Smith, and I think James Franklin even said it, has taken sort of a the next step and really tried to to be the leader, but also lead by example and to and to really just know that this is his year. And so I think you're going to see a certain level of maturity from Keandre Lambert-Smith, and I think he knows this is his opportunity to 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 be the guy. And athletically, I think he's more than gifted enough to do it. I don't know if he's going to be Jahan Dotson level. But I think he's got potential to be a star. And so on June 14th of 2023, I, I'm going to say that Keandre Lambert-Smith is pretty well-defined as the number one wide receiver for Penn State. Yeah, I think he definitely took the lead after the Rose Bowl and after having the longest pass in uh, Rose Bowl history and then doing that celebration where it looked like he pulled a hammy. I think that kind of solidified him as the number one coming in. I mean, you never know how the season's going to go. And Cephas has shown that he could, uh, you know, excel, albeit at Kent State. But he did play really, really well last year. He's And, uh, yeah, I agree with Corey. I mean, you heard a lot of good things about Harrison Wallace. And those of you who listen to the pod religiously – know that I like Omari Evans a lot. Uh, I don't think he'll be the number one guy this year, but it wouldn't surprise me in two years if he is. Like in 2024, we already saw the uh, chemistry that he has with Drew Aller. And if if uh, KLS uh, leaves after this year, and um, th- I think we only get one year with Cephas, yeah, uh, Omari Evans could be that guy, but this year I would say it'll be Keandre Lambert-Smith. If the guy could just be consistent, I think he's going to be a really, really good player for us. Very, very good. 
And I think he has that ability to be the number one guy. It's just about consistency with him. Did you see Penn State's like reel on Instagram by chance? Were they trying to show like a new uniform that they're going to wear? I have not. Let me check it out. Let me know what you think. I, I guess it, it isn't. It's a sneak peek. I don't know if it's just like a promo video or like a. I don't know what they're trying to do, but let me know what you think about that. Um. But I yeah I agree with you and, and he had such a good end of the year in general right like I feel pretty good about is about it the one with Kabula kind of doing an awkward dance? No 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 the one after that the second one. Okay all right let me check it out. It it it's like says coming soon. I think it's just about like the video like they're doing like intros or something but I'm not really sure. Yeah I, I think it's just like they're doing um, intros yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I kept looking at the uniform, like trying to see if there's anything uniform? different. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it is. Okay. Okay. Uh, final question from R Scats. <clears throat> R Scats. Really excited to see what Khalil Dickens uh, get more playing time. He could be a real weapon. So R Scats agrees with us there and Khalil Dickens. Um, this wasn't a good question. Maybe double check the rules. Uh, when do they need to be at the 85-man scholarship limit? I don't claim to know how it works, but it really does seem like we have at least two too many. Um, I don't know where we're at scholarship-wise. Remember, they picked up the defensive tackle, and they picked up another defensive back, but they also lost Mega Barnwell. And so I think they're and Storm Duck. I think they're pretty close. And Storm Duck, yeah. Um, Sean, can you remind me of who the defense tackles that they got again? Because, man, I forgot. Um, the Old Dominion kid. <laughs> I, I think that's yes, thank you. Yeah, the guy from Old Dominion who played – he played at he, he played against Virginia and Virginia Tech last year. So he did get some reps against some Power 5 guys. Um, yep, Ricky Ronnie, friend of the program. Yes, Ricky Ronnie – friend of the program not necessarily I, I friend of friend. like this not not necessarily friend of this specific program like this podcast but um not that he's yeah i either, mean that but, i don't know um, that i don't know maybe he list maybe he's listening right now hey ricky i don't think he's not listening right now because we're not live right now oh that's alonzo house. ford alonzo ford thank you thank you for double checking and we also that. brought in davian um, collins from mississippi state he's a corner He's a corner. Yes. Thank you very much yeah. for yep. getting those for me. Um, and Collins has four years of eligibility. So we're not, that, that that's a long game there. That's not like a, a, a band aid. That's, that's, that's an investment right there. So um, former three-star guy there. Uh, so they're close to the limit right now. Our scats, the answer to that kind of last part of the question Um but they don't have to be there until training camp starts. So they, they, they can fluctuate quite a bit until the beginning of, of August, basically. They need to be where they need to be. So that is the way it is a lot because of kind of three things. Graduation, walk-ons, transfer portal, and, and kind of where that all ends up lying. So 
Um, that's that's when they have to be at 85. Additionally, I don't know if the rule's permanent yet, but the NCAA rule that was like released a couple of years ago that let people you used to only be able to recruit 25 guys. No matter what your scholarship limit was, you could only recruit 25 guys. So you could actually be at like I think this happened to Kansas a couple of years ago. Like they only had like 50 scholarship guys, but they could only recruit 25 per cycle. And you could see how that would take a couple of years to get back to where you need to get to. Well, then because of COVID um, and I think the transfer portal, they opened that up. The NCAA did for the 2020 up into the 2024 season. So they at least have another year before they have to add to it. But that allowed people to recruit as many scholarships, I think up to 32. So now you can have 32 guys in a single class if you want to. And that obviously makes a huge difference. So if you're far, if you, if you've fallen behind on the scholarship guys, you can catch back up. Let's say you have a heavy class, people leave, people get to the NFL or people just retire. Um, you got a little bit more of a, of a kind of a way to get back a little bit quicker. So um, those are the rules. So they got to be back to 85 by August. Um, I I don't know who it's going to be, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see someone else still transfer out. Um, I mean, we got a long way still to go another month or so. Um, who knows what's going to happen? So um, we'll have to kind of wait and see there, but they got to be at 85 before August starts. So to answer the question. Sean, you have anything to add to any of that? I think Corey set that up nicely. Yeah, I set them up and I knocked them down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there are going to be guys that are that kind of see the writing on the wall and, you know, decide to move on. So, you know, I'm not too worried about getting there. It ends up happening one way or another. People that have to know, no, we do not exactly have to be perfect. Like I said, I think we were, we were like, we're close. If we're not there, we're close. I, we might be 85. We might be 86. They'll figure that out. Um, you got to remember that uh, the sauce boss, he got his scholarship added as well. So they've got some fluctuation there. Um, report. I just, I just like to remind everybody because I, didn't know but the kicker from columbia alex falcons he's not on scholarship so just wanted to keep that in mind um i don't know why i always think of him but i i thought he was originally and he's not so um anyway um sean that's kind of all i got yeah yeah that's all i really have too um it was fun buddy yeah, um, I want to say we could maybe break down some teams next week. I don't know. Kind of taking a week by week right now. But um, potentially the next episode, maybe we break down a couple opponents. Maybe. Might and Joe Mansions. Yeah, I mean... Maybe I was thinking maybe we group them together a little bit more than that. Well, we could do them, and we could do 
Delaware, or Kent State. We could do yeah, all the OLC teams. What's a just a, just a non-conference look ahead? Sure. Yeah, we could do it that way. You say did you? Did you say Kent State? Or UMass, that's what I mean. I don't know why I thought Yeah, because UMass State. is so far away. I almost want to talk about them. Yeah, let's 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 tentatively plan for that next week. How about that? A little non conference breakdown. Yeah. As let's long as do things don't, don't get too crazy in the, the world of Penn State football and we have just a lot of other stuff to talk about. What's yeah, this that? week was kind of a slow week, so a lot of stuff happened behind the scenes as always. But it wasn't after the schedule, there wasn't a whole a whole lot of whole lot of stuff. Um, yeah. Also, yeah. Penn State's lift for life is I think like the twenty sixth or something like that coming up here. Oh, it's coming weeks. up. Yeah, that's always a big event for them. Um, Might be the twenty fourth or the twenty fifth, but. Um, okay, well, that that's a good rough plan, and we'll we'll kind of go from there. I'm I'm guessing there's going to be another commit to talk about next episode. That's my guess. I hope so. Your your mouth to God's ears. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, uh, check us out on Twitter, Hardcore PSU FB. Um, we. Do I have merch? I, I just want to mention that because I took a picture of my hat when I was on the airplane. And I put it on Twitter and one or two two people I think actually was like they wanted it. And I sent them the link to it. I don't know if they actually purchase it or not. But we do have hats. We do have stickers. If you go to our link on wherever you can find it, our our tree link, you can find the link to it. Go get yourself a hat. Um they're pretty nice. Mine, they're durable, too. I've had mine since we started the podcast, so it's been a year and a half, pretty much, and it's been going strong. So, uh, anyway, I just mentioned that because someone else has asked, or a couple people have asked, so they are out there. Um, easiest way to get a sticker is just to write us a five-star review, and you can stick it for free. But anyway, uh, for Sean Kane, I'm Corey Laskoke. You've been listening to Hardcore Penn State Football Club. Hope you're having a good summer, and we will catch you next week. Have a good one, everybody. Have a good day.